You are listening to Muslim in Moderation, discussions on minority culture, identity and politics, with Ali Ahmed. Identity politics has taken on negative connotations, but in academic study, it refers to political activity taken by a social group in response to experiences of injustice. Muslims in the West have felt injustice through Islamophobia and the erosion of their civil liberties, but they haven't taken collective political action in response. But Muslims have acted collectively on other issues, like the Syrian refugee crisis. So why is that? This episode features Dr. Quinn Meekham, Associate Professor of Political Science and Coordinator for Middle East Studies at Brigham Young University. He is the author of Institutional Origins of Islamist Political Mobilization, a book that looks at when and where religious political movements take hold in Muslim-majority countries. Professor Meekham argues that three things are needed. Common knowledge amongst the people, an opportunity for religious entrepreneurship, and a focal point, an event that focuses people's attention. I asked Professor Meekham how his theory might apply to Muslim minorities in the West. There are some additional dynamics once you get into majority-minority relations that come into play, and that I think that make political mobilization in places like Europe for Muslims in Europe or Muslims in North America a bit more complex. I'm actually working on a current project that examines how political behavior changes when an identity group thinks that it's in the majority or in the minority. And while that research is not complete yet, it does point to several potential behaviors of minority identity groups. So if you take the argument that I just made and then you layer on some of these additional dynamics, I think we can have something interesting to say about politics in Muslim minority situations. Interestingly, you know, we found that minority identities are often stronger or what we call more salient identities, meaning that they they rise to the top of, of the various identities that you have than your majority identities are. So if you are a Muslim where Muslims are a minority, often that Muslim part of your identity is going to pop out more and it fades more into the background in places where everyone's a Muslim and it just becomes part of a majority identity. And if I'm a Muslim in the West, my Muslim identity is more likely, I think, to stand out in my own self-conception in part because I feel like a member of an outgroup. The, the challenge here is that this heightened identity salience can actually lead to very different kinds of political behaviors in different contexts. In some cases, I might actively highlight and mobilize around my minority identity. So we call this minority highlighting behavior. And I might do that when it feels safe to do so. And when there's some potential political gains or policy changes to be had from doing that. But in other cases, I might do actually the complete opposite, which is I might choose to obscure my minority identity and emphasize my commonalities with the majority group. And that's more likely when collective action within the minority is hard, and when doing that might make it more likely that my identity group might be a political target. If we think, for example, about Muslims in Europe and compare them with Muslims in North America, we see a couple of differences. Muslims in Europe, particularly in France and in Germany, are probably a more potent political force because they're larger, they're a larger percentage of the population. They also have more overlaps between religious, ethnic, and class identities. So in France, for example, you have a lot of North African Arab Muslims who are often lower or lower middle class in France. In Germany, you have an overlap between being Muslim and Turkish and also often tends to be lower class. And so I think the political mobilization potential is actually larger in places like this than in North America, in part because 
there's more potential gain to be had. It's sometimes viewed as riskier because it can trigger these populist reactions. North America is an interesting case. Muslims in North America tend to have a lot more people in professional economic classes than Muslims in Europe. And they're much more fragmented ethnically, as well as being an overall smaller minority. And I think that that makes collective political action harder and often less powerful, or people will calculate that their ability to mobilize collectively as Muslims is going to have a smaller effect. And so in in Europe, you, you see a lot of minority highlighting behavior. But in North America, you see a lot more minority obscuring behavior among the Muslim population. So going back to the specific issues that you raised, some things like Islamophobia, anti-terror rhetoric, or, or Syrian refugees, I think that you'll see that Muslims in North America probably have quite similar views on the dangers of Islamophobia, uh, concerns about anti-terror rhetoric that they perceive might single them out, but they have a pretty hard time seeing what the political rewards might look like for collective action on those issues. They just don't have the numbers in some ways to, to mobilize around that. And in contrast, uh, you mentioned support for Syrian refugees. And I think that that's an issue that actually doesn't carry big political risks for North American Muslims and yet can serve as a reaffirmation of Muslim collective identity. Right. So this would be an identity group enhancing activity by supporting these refugee populations that appeals to common values across ethnic group. And it doesn't really engage in this identity highlighting behavior that that might be perceived as risky. So the answer to your question, I think, is is probably more complex than we want it to be. But these additional dynamics of majority minority relations, I think, really come into play when we talk about North America. So we know that having a shared identity plays an important role in bringing groups together. But members of the Muslim minority have more than one identity marker. There is a national identity, an ethnic identity, and other social identities. And Muslims who've grown up in the West will hold on to these identities in a different way than new immigrants, especially as you cross generations. So how does all of this diversity impact the potential for unified political action? Well, I live in a, a Western state, the United States. I live in Utah, and, and Utah is not a huge state. And it also doesn't have a huge Muslim population, but that Muslim population is growing. And so when I look at the composition of mosque membership in my area, I see all of those things that you're describing that are in play there. So in communities with small Muslim populations, there tends to be one mosque, and people congregate in that one mosque, and they do so from all generations, from all ethnic backgrounds. And the identity group that they're really forming is a Muslim identity group. But as the population grows in bigger cities like Salt Lake City, for example, the mosque membership starts to, to separate out by ethnic background. So, you know, the South Asians will really uh, coalesce around one mosque. The East Africans will coalesce around a different mosque. The Arabs will coalesce around a different one. And so as the Muslim population grows, the mosque membership tends to separate out by that ethnic background. And as you highlighted, that tends to fragment the collective action potential of the Muslim community, which is already quite small. And, and you see some implicit rivalries, they're not really explicit and they're not really hostile, but they're implicit rivalries that can develop, develop across different mosques in terms of how they see their, their community and how they, they want their mosque to be run. And, and so I, I see a lot in, in a place like Utah, which I think is representative of parts of North America, I see a lot of established professionals. So again, we have in North America, we have a lot of Muslims who are, you know, physicians, engineers, people who have quite a bit of, of professional status in their communities, reaching out to newcomers, to Muslim newcomers in, in their communities, to refugee populations, 
but they tend to have quite different political interests and needs. So instead of needing to seek social services and re- recover from traumatic events in their home countries, they tend to have you know, much more of a need to integrate fully into their community. And so they downplay their identity differences, the majority non-Muslim community. The United States is also going through an interesting current political climate that has divided the Muslim community between those who want to protest the administration's, the current administration's political rhetoric, which has not been particularly welcoming to Muslims, and then those who who don't see much gain to be made by that and are essentially preferring to wait it out to see the administration as being a bit of a political aberration in the United States and not feeling like they need to go out and attract extra attention to themselves. And so that's a long way of saying that once you get generational differences, you get ethnic differences, and you you, you put them all um, into a community like uh, the North American Muslim community, you're going to have quite different strategies that emerge in terms of what's acceptable or relevant in terms of political behavior. Many people will just want to blend in to you know, the, the way their community normally functions, while others might end up highlighting that and their frustration with the system and, and wanting to be more politically active, but it's challenging given the, the fragmentation across identities. In what circumstances might the Muslim identity take precedence over some of the other identities that we've discussed? I've been thinking about the New Zealand mosque shooting, and I wonder whether that's the kind of incident that might bring the Muslim minority together. Sure, that's a great question. Certainly, I think in smaller Muslim communities, it's quite common to, to see religious identity take precedence over other kinds of identity. I've participated in a number of social and religious gatherings in the Muslim community here in the United States. I'm not a Muslim myself, but I, it's a community that I care a lot about. And we, you know, remarkable bonding based on common uh, religious understanding and values in, in many of these smaller Muslim communities. And when, once you start getting larger and larger Muslim communities, it, it, it often fragments into more ethnic components. Being part of a Muslim group right, is, is not just about religiosity, because this can serve as an important identity and social component of who you are as well, regardless of how, how often you attend mosque or how religious that you might think yourself to be. But if a, if a majority group treats Muslims as a religious category, as an outgroup, and that, does, that happens quite a bit, then Muslims will also tend to see themselves as an identity group. So part of whether I see myself primarily as, as a Muslim or as something else has to do with how the outgroup or the, the non-Muslims around me treat me. Do they treat me as a Muslim or do they treat me based on other identities? Because we, we're often very informed by the way people view us. And I think to be treated as Muslims and see themselves as Muslim communities in more religiously homogenous areas. In the United States, that would be true in places like the Evangelical Christian South, for example. But then there are some extremely diverse parts of the U.S. or Canada right, that have multi-generational ethnic traditions. And there's a lot of religious diversity in some of these communities. New York, you know, would certainly be a case like that. Toronto or Montreal would be a case like that, where there's enough religious diversity that being Muslim is not actually so interesting or so different from other parts of the community where there might be large Jewish or atheist or Hindu populations. And that in those cases, religious identity is not going to be potentially as salient or as defined as relevant by a majority group. And, and in those cases, ethnic identities are sometimes more relevant. The New Zealand mosque shooting, which was really remarkably horrific and shocking to people all around the world, Muslim and non-Muslim, I think is a really good example of this idea of a focal point that I, I discussed earlier in, in talking about why political mobilization can happen. And in part, just because of the magnitude and the sheer shock and the media coverage of this event, I think this has become one of those focal 
points, not just in New Zealand, but also worldwide. And I think it's it has a lot of potential good that can come out of it because it has strengthened Muslim collective identity in minority Muslim communities around the world, both because it's reminded people that there is this potential threat exists even in very peaceful places, but it's also highlighted for non-Muslims. It's highlighted Muslims as a relevant collective identity group. And it and it's really brought out some of the best behavior, both in the Muslim community and in the non-Muslim community, in terms of support around this event that has led to some bridging social networks that have the potential to transform a country like New Zealand and other types of communities. And so as people reach out with compassion and as majority-minority relations become elevated political issue again, I think that this is going to strengthen Muslim identities. It's going to strengthen opportunities to bridge between those Muslim identities and non-Muslim identities in other parts of the population, and that we're going to see much more dialogue about the relationship between majority and minority religious populations in the long run. And so as sad, tragic of an event as that is, I think that it has the potential to do a lot of good in bringing to the forefront some of these issues that really require a lot of work and and, uh, could be improved in terms of social relations and and will help strengthen Muslim identity and make Muslim identity much more relevant in the social and political life of many countries. Professor Meekum, thank you for your thoughts. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for listening to Muslim in Moderation. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and give it a rating. A new episode will be out monthly. For guest profiles, episodes and show notes, visit www.musliminmoderation.com.